0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.07 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 7th of September, 2022. This is episode 610. Of Bitcoin and whoop-de-doo. I got a doozy for you today. Uh, it's going to be, I get the feeling this one's going to be long. I will try my damnedest to get it all in, but we may be going over an hour. Not terribly certain, but let's start with the boost grams I got one here, yet another one from Letter 6173, Striper boost. 7777 said Oshis. Anyone who reads this must do 10 push-ups immediately. Mandibles. No, he actually didn't say mandibles, but I might I mean I might as well just have you do 10 push-ups and then you know take a drink. Uh Jory underscore X underscore McKee says clarification on previous boost. Re-school, regarding school supplies, I'm aware parents are buying supplies for their kids. What I was referring to was buying extra supplies for other kids. Sorry about that, Jory. Uh, that is 1666 Satoshi's, and that's damn near, or actually that is that is worth my response. No, I have never been as a parent. I've never been required that I can remember that we were buying school supplies for other children. However, in the past, my wife and I have bought school supplies for other children because we were at, we were asked if we would. So there's a difference between we weren't required to, but we have been asked on several occasions to help with, you know, buying extra school supplies for uh, kids that just, they, their parents just don't have the money or whatever. I mean, I'm not terribly certain how that, how that works, but, uh, you know, we would buy like whatever we bought for our kids. We like, we have two, right? So we'd buy school supplies for like, I don't know, at the time, our, you know, you know, first grader and, you know, fourth grader, and we would just double that. And then we would pack them into, you know, just a a paper sack, And then take them to the school uh, on the first day of school and just drop them off at the office and say, "Extra supply, you know, here's a full set of supplies for this kid in first grade. Here's a full set of supplies for this kid in you know fourth grade." And go on our merry way. And we've done that on more than a few occasions, but we were never required to. Getting to, who's this one? Is it is that Dinglebop? It is Dinglebop. At Dinglebop says. Greetings from Amsterdam really like your show. I'm glad you really like my show. I really am. And one of these days, I hope to be able to get over to Amsterdam,' uh, It's one of the only there's very few places that I actually give a shit about traveling to. Uh, Amsterdam, Holland, you know, around that area is one of them, and oddly enough, Transylvania. And the surrounding, uh, surrounding Eastern European state, uh, nations. It's something else I want to go to and Greece. I honestly, who doesn't want to go to Greece? Fuck I mean, it, this is Sparta. 1000 sats. Thank you very much, Dinglebop. Uh, we have this one, 420. It's a 420. Smoke y'all dope boost. Thank you for another great show. I personally do not mind if you continue a spotty release schedule. Not every day is a good day for news. Have a great day, David. Dude, thank you. F dub seven. E F D U B seven. Actually, that's spelled out seven. It's not the number. I appreciate that, man. It's gonna be. It's touch and go, dude. I mean, today started out with a. It was. It was a bad day <laughs> already, man. It's like you know. It's like ten o'clock in the morning, and I already had to rescue my kids. My uh, My kids' only remaining hamster from the clutches of my orange ginger ass evil cat that wants to destroy the world. Knocked over the entire glass, uh, uh, critter cage off of, I mean, this is not that big of a cat fully glass, just knocked it off. It's stand cracked open the side, got in, got my kids gerbil and I've got her healing up. So yes, I've already been met with a catastrophe today, but The show is, I'm going to try to make the show go on, but damn boy, it was, that was touchy. Um, 69 sats from EF dub seven. Uh, Oh, wait a minute. Uh, yeah. 69 sats from EF dub seven and EF dub seven has done me twice. So thank you, man, dude. That is a total of, uh, 400 and was 99 sats, almost 500 bitches. All right. Let's get into the rest of today, starting with the news in El Salvador. Uh, This is going to be probably, this one and the next one is probably going to be the full first part of the show before we run the numbers. One year later, the success of making Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador. This is a companion piece to the National Review article that touts it as a failure. I was talking to my sister last night, laughing my ass off that National Review has given their obituary to the Lightning or to uh, Bitcoin, uh, specifically the El Salvador experiment of Bitcoin, have given their obituary and it's like number 15 at this point. You know, National Review is already a a year away, you know, a year out, uh, getting onto the obituary of uh, Bitcoin in uh, El Salvador train, so... Yeah, national review, uh, sit and spin, bro. We're going to do this one from Jaime Garcia out of Bitcoin magazine. If you do pronounce your name, Jamie, sorry, bro. But I figured with the last name Garcia, it is probably Jaime, Bitcoin magazine. Today marks El Salvador's first anniversary since it adopted Bitcoin as a legal tender currency. Depending upon who you ask, El Salvador's efforts have been an utter failure. A resounding success or various stages in between. There is no shortage of opinions, but it's only proof of work that can show if El Salvador has benefited from Bitcoin, and by that criteria, the decision has been a clear success. Undeniably, the early Bitcoin rollout by the Salvadoran government with the Chivo state wallet was not ideal. Even today, adoption among the average Salvadoran is not high. However, despite El Salvador's detractors making valid criticisms, they cannot deny that the country has experienced incredible growth over the last 12 months. So, let's look at El Salvador before Bitcoin. Let's begin by recalling where El Salvador was before the Bitcoin announcement. The truth is that many won't be able to remember because they could hardly point to the country on a map. At best, many Bitcoiners would have likely mistaken El Salvador for Ecuador and made remarks about how they would be able to spend their sats in the Galapagos. Before El Salvador embraced Bitcoin, it endured centuries of colonial oppression, decades of military dictatorship, and a 12-year-long civil war, a proxy battle between the United States and the Soviet Union. Once the Salvadoran government and the leftist guerrillas signed the so-called peace treaty that ended the Civil War in 1992, corrupt governments from both the right and the left of the political spectrum began to ransack the country. Unfortunately, they dedicated themselves to running corrupt personal enrichment schemes instead of, you know, reconstructing the country, further perpetuating El Salvador's debt and its infrastructure and societal deficit. In the early 90s, the Bill Clinton administration deported many undocumented Salvadorans from the United States, mainly from East L.A., where many of their American-born children were engaged in street gang warfare. The exported phenomenon of the Maras, or gangs, and the violence they brought to the country further sunk El Salvador's dire economic situation. Salvadorans grew tired of the political corruption, the gang violence and extortion, the lack of opportunity, and the constant out-migration to the United States. The electorate decided to give dark horse Nayib Bukele and his New Ideas Party the presidency and a supermajority in the National Assembly for a chance to fix the situation. It was the proverbial aligning of the stars that allowed the political conditions for El Salvador to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. Ultimately, before the Bitcoin announcement, El Salvador was not in a good situation and had the deep scars of poverty, suffering, and death as evidence. Presently, there's no shortage of politicians on Twitter signaling that they are pro-Bitcoin or worse, that they are pro-crypto. Targeting Bitcoiners as a constituency is the latest affinity scam by the high time preference political campaign complex. And we can see that with the mayor of New York City. However, in El Salvador, adopting Bitcoin was strictly about economic survival. Bukele announced in 2017 that El Salvador would, indeed, adopt Bitcoin even before he was president. Back then, the Salvadoran population did not even know what the extent of that announcement would mean The statement was not to court votes, but to warn his opponent that his government would do things outside of the box. Dagoberto Gutierrez, a political analyst who is widely respected by Salvadorans, was recently asked to weigh in on the decision by El Salvador to adopt Bitcoin on a popular morning radio show. The host, Pencho Duque, asked Gutierrez if he thought the project was a failure and pointed to the low adoption by Salvadorans as proof. The 77-year-old answered in a simple yet profound manner that even seasoned Bitcoiners still fail to articulate. Gutierrez summarized his thoughts by saying that at this point, adoption and our opinions on it are inconsequential to the more significant forces at play. In his assessment, the move was about game theory. The first mover advantaged to do a better monetary system in safeguarding El Salvador's over-reliance on the United States dollar when its hegemony is in its final decline. It has taken a full year for many skeptics to realize that Gutierrez has, or what Gutierrez has, that the obvious choice for a country like El Salvador is to seek refuge in the rising monetary system of our time instead of a dying one. Yet, despite such disarming arguments, many, including hardcore Bitcoiners, still criticize El Salvador and personally blame Bukele for being disingenuous, LARPing, as some would call it, and wasting money on investing in Bitcoin. Julian Figuera, a Canadian Bitcoiner and filmmaker, recently proposed that the funds and effort invested into Bitcoin have produced significant returns through tourism revenue. In a recent video, he suggests that the aim of the Bitcoin investments may really be to improve the country's brand. The return is undeniable, even garnering a positive assessment by the World Tourism Organization. And to put the investment in perspective, Bukele has stated that his government invested more money in women's rights than it did in Bitcoin. Though critics rarely point to this as LARPing. OG Bitcoiner and El Zante capital investor Stacey Herbert has called El Salvador's Bitcoin legal tender adoption effort and the tourism boom it has generated the best rebrand in history. Although the tourism card may start to look like it's being overplayed, we just need to look at other economic indicators from a variety of sources to notice additional tangible improvements for the country. Bullet point list starts right now. 10.3% GDP increase, 19.5% export increase, 3.3% remittances destined for family use increase, 70.2% remittances destined for investment increase, 4.3% volume of economic activity increase, one of the quickest countries to rebound from the COVID-19 pandemic, one of the lowest rates of inflation in the region, one of the lowest rates of outmigration to the United States in the region, a 62-year record in private investments, improvements in road and highway infrastructure, and yes, the 30% increase in tourism. El Salvador achieved the metrics above during a bear market and in the second year of the COVID-19 pandemic despite constant criticism from the traditional finance sector. Additionally, after many months of FUD by the mainstream media claiming that El Salvador would default on its sovereign bond obligations, Morgan Stanley is now recommending investors buy El Salvador bonds. You think? Many believe El Salvador is positioned to honor its 2023 and 2025 bond commitments. It can be easy to dismiss empirical evidence that El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin is improving life for everyone there, but this evidence abounds. For example, one year ago, people would be hard-pressed to find a travel video on YouTube featuring El Salvador. Yet today, not only can you find many of these videos, but many Bitcoiners have taken to documenting their lives and their journeys of moving to El Salvador. You only need to look at the plebs on Twitter sharing their photos and hanging out with locals and Bitcoiners in El Zante and San Salvador to know that something special is indeed happening. Add to this, the two Bitcoin conferences held there last November with another one planned this year. The 44 bankers, um, hold on. And the computer crashed. I am back after, now for you, it's been seconds. For me, it's been 15 minutes to get all this shit set back up again. (laughs) It is now 1039 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Let's continue, shall we? Add to this the two Bitcoin conferences held there last November with another plan this year the 44 bankers who descended on Bitcoin Beach, the weekly Bitcoin meetups taking place, you know, all over the country, and the founding of two successful educational nonprofits, My First Bitcoin and ToroGaz Dev. El Salvador also hosted two international surf competitions, and more of the Salvadoran diaspora has returned home these improvements both quantitative and qualitative are not coincidences but rather due to the transformative power of bitcoin yet one of the most significant transformations in el salvador is underway and not without some controversy. Of course, there's always controversy. To put it plainly, Salvadorans have never been truly free. Well, nobody is, dude. On paper, maybe, but in real life, freedom was hijacked by violence. First, the Civil War, and then the crime brought in by the Maras, otherwise known as gangs. Bitcoin offers different incentives, and El Salvador has realized that to keep attracting its enthusiastic diaspora to come back home and Bitcoiners to invest in the country, it must first offer safety. The goal is to eliminate crime and insecurity to make crime a less enticing incentive and to show the population how adapting to a Bitcoinized economy can provide a better life. To address this issue, El Salvador temporarily suspended individual rights with the claimed intention of arresting dangerous gang members shaking the population down for safety money or renta. Additionally, the National Assembly modified the penal code to increase the severity of sentences for gang-related activities. These moves have brought significant criticism, but it seems that for the average Salvadoran, the suspension of these rights was justified. A poll found that 91% of Salvadorans support the so-called state of exception, which is in uh, quotes. This may be because they are finally experiencing the peace and tranquility promised in 1992 when the peace treaty was signed. I got a pause right there. That's a dangerous situation, ladies and gentlemen. They are embraced, the citizenry is embracing their loss of rights, which equates to what? They're a loss of sovereignty, and that can easily be abused, and it always is. Look, I dig Bichelli. I, I mean, I'd like to go get a beer with him, but he's a dictator, okay? We've got to keep this shit in perspective. Yes, it's good that Bitcoin is doing all this cool shit. Yes, it's cool that gang members are actually going to jail. No, it's not fucking cool that the only way to do that shit is to suspend your individual rights or your individual, so, individual sovereignty. What I think would have been better is that you arm the citizenry and you tell them to protect themselves. Now, is that better? Probably not insofar as God only knows what could happen in a situation like that. Who knows? Maybe the pissed off neighbor kills their other neighbor because the cat shit on the rose bushes. I don't know. I mean, it can happen. People are are weird. But one thing that I can tell you that's always bad is to say, we're going to suspend some of your individual rights and we're going to take care of this gang problem and we're going to give them back. They never give them back. We'll see if this is different. We'll have to see if this is different. But this shit, this shit right here, that ain't cool. Everything else is cool, but... To do it by the suspension of individual rights, mm, I don't know, man. I think they could have just gone after the known gang members without that shit happening. But what do I know? I ain't the president of a Central American country, so I'm just going to leave it where it is. As of, continuing on, as of this writing, there have been a reported 190 days without murders in El Salvador, which would transform it from the most dangerous country in the world to one of the safest in Latin America, according to Bichelli. Of the world's 195 countries, El Salvador is the only one that has been truly orange-pilled and will find itself on the right side of Bitcoin's history. It had an incredible and challenging first year, but it has provided a template for the world to follow. Far from a failure, more countries are now paying close attention to its experiment. However, the most arduous path of this climb to the top of the volcano is far from over as El Salvador continues to tackle adoption challenges as it strives to issue its Bitcoin bonds and build its Bitcoin city. But to those still wondering, the best way to measure whether the introduction of Bitcoin as legal tender has been positive is to go down there yourself. Do not trust. Verify. All right, that's the end of the article. And yes, it was a long one, but nowhere close to as long as the one that's coming up. Uh, Final thoughts on this. I'm just going to reiterate two things one national review and all the people that continuously call for the obituaries of bitcoin itself and anything connected to bitcoin because somebody's using it are going to continue they are always overblown the truth can only be seen i haven't seen it so i don't know if bitcoin is success but by in that same vein I don't know if it's a failure either. And I guarantee you that the idiots over at National Review and all the other people that are calling the experiment failed, none of them, none of them have actually gone to El Salvador for any length of time at all. And if they did, they stayed in a nice swanky hotel and they ate at the hotel restaurant and they didn't talk to anybody. They didn't go and try to transact with Bitcoin. They didn't do any of that, I guarantee it. If I'm wrong, let me know that I'm wrong. And you can do it through a boostogram. Lightning, the state of lightning one year after El Salvador's Bitcoin adoption. So we move from Bitcoin main chain and all the things around it to what's going on in El Salvador with Bitcoin as it pertains to lightning. And this one is from Namcios, also founded Bitcoin magazine. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. It's a doozy. Bitcoin headlines more often than not focus on the price. Whether it goes up or down in US dollar terms, the media rides the wave accordingly, denoting bubbles and crashes as they come. As a result, the technology's fundamentals get little to no coverage, and the Bitcoin curious audience doesn't get much insights into what is shaping the peer-to-peer currency's growth. This dynamic can be further exemplified with the adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender by El Salvador. Most outlets have chosen to focus more on the ways the experiment could have and in some instances did go wrong rather than on the gains the country and population have had since the inception of the legislation. Michael Peterson, the founder of Bitcoin Beach, the circular Bitcoin economy that inspired El Salvador's president, Nayib Bukele, to adopt Bitcoin nationally, told Bitcoin magazine that it's all about perspective. Quote, Most negative stories claim... Bitcoin payments adoption is about 20% and paint that as a failure. If a country outside of El Salvador had even 5% of businesses accepting BTC, we would be thrilled, he said. He goes on, I think the level of adoption as a medium of exchange is pretty extraordinary. As the saying goes, people overestimate what can be accomplished in a year and underestimate what can be accomplished in 10 years. I think 10 years from now, it will be hard to find anybody who remembers being a critic, he said. When it comes to Bitcoin Beat specifically, Peterson opined that the impact of the Bitcoin law has been mixed. Quote, on the negative side, it politicized Bitcoin. On the positive, it spurred a proliferation of Bitcoin-related tools and ability to integrate better into the traditional financial system, end quote. Spate's state-sponsored Bitcoin and U.S. dollar wallet, Chivo, Peterson continued, allows for seamless BTC integration with bank accounts, which is important for business owners. Quote, From my perspective, this past year has gone much better than I was expecting it would a year ago. In five years from now, it will blow people's minds, he said. The adoption of Bitcoin by Salvadoran retailers, both locally on Bitcoin Beach and broadly in the country, has successfully been implemented thanks to the Lightning Network. In addition to benefiting from lightning, the first country to adopt BTC as a national currency also created a feedback loop through which lightning itself has also profited. This article will explore this dynamic, but before diving into the details, an easy to understand but detailed explanation of lightning is in order. I'm going to skip this particular part, ladies and gentlemen. That lightning is something that if you don't already know, Something about it, it is definitely something that is worth your time to go and explore. But I doubt seriously that many of my readers needs a revision or a, a like a primer on how the Lightning Network works. So I'm just going to go right on past that and go right into Lightning Adoption. Beyond technical metrics, another angle through which to look at the development of Lightning relates to actual, you know, usage. While that is hard to accurately measure, evidence exists of the proliferation of Lightning technology and its adoption for financial inclusion across different areas of the globe. If Bitcoin usage and acceptance can serve as a demonstration of its adoption, then traveling around the world using mostly Bitcoin on chain and on Lightning is perhaps the most valuable metric to showcase how awareness about the P2P currency has proliferated. That's what Paco de la India decided to do last year as he committed to travel to 40 countries while on a personal Bitcoin standard. He began sharing his travel on Twitter and YouTube and quickly gathered thousands of followers who were eager to know more about his feats. Quote, it's a purely crowdfund campaign, Paco told Bitcoin magazine. Quote, it started on September 17 last year. It's been 11 months now and it all started with zero. I remember selling my furniture, including chairs, and starting with $200, and then one guy gives me $200, another one gives me $100, then $300, $500, then a big $1,000 came from a Bitcoin core developer, and then it just, you know, caught on, end quote. Over what's now almost a year, Paco has traveled to more than 18 countries, some of which stood out to him when it comes to Bitcoin adoption. Thailand, Singapore, and Kenya are three examples of nations that positively surprised surprised the traveler. Quote, Kenya was one place where I bought a book for Bitcoin, got a massage for Bitcoin, got food with Bitcoin, paid for my guide with Bitcoin, and found a pool table, a game of pool that you could play with Bitcoin. But Singapore is crazy. You can literally get coffee with Bitcoin he said. Even though many merchants accepted Bitcoin, Paco sees most of them being crypto enthusiasts rather than Bitcoiners. Quote, most of the people haven't understood the philosophy of Bitcoin and its bigger purpose. Everybody sees this from a price action point of view. Once you just see the price, then you always will look at the numbers. And as the numbers keep fluctuating, it keeps you in doubt of whether it's a real thing or not. But when you get to share What is happening with the printing of money, the devaluation of the currency, it's like, hey, guys, have a look at from a different angle what Bitcoin is, end quote, he continued. As in-depth knowledge about Bitcoin is still low, knowledge about lightning, which builds on Bitcoin's functionality, should naturally be even lower, and that's in line with what Paco is seeing. Quote, lightning is something that people are still getting to know about, he said. To foster the adoption of Bitcoin and Lightning for everyday transactions and long-term savings, however, many hotspots have begun emerging around the world since the creation of Bitcoin Beach and later the adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender by El Salvador. So in Guatemala. Quote, On Lake Atitlán in Guatemala, merchants and community members are painting the town Bitcoin orange and accepting Lightning payments for everything from pizza to parasailing. Andrew Begin. Director of Marketing at Bitcoin, banking software firm Galloy told Bitcoin Magazine. The community called Bitcoin Lake emerged after its founder got inspired by the developments happening at Bitcoin Beach in El Zante, El Salvador. Replicating the success of Bitcoin Beach is not a simple feat. However, and as such, different communities choose different tactics to gather traction. Quote, Bitcoin Lake, for instance. Engage Bitcoin Twitter to send sats over lightning for a pizza party, he said. The event helped reveal the power of lightning to the newly onboarded merchant while rewarding local kids for community service work, quote. While many communities have emerged and will continue to do so, the need to learn about the new technologies poses a barrier to their growth. Software applications exist to ease the tech learning curve, such as Galois' own solution, but other barriers to adoption still exist. Quote, another hurdle to community adoption is having fiat on and off ramps, Begin said. Getting the flywheel spinning in traditionally unbanked communities can be greatly accelerated with external funding injected into the project, end quote. In the early days of Bitcoin Beach, he continued, having a Bitcoin ATM helped people exchange cash for Bitcoin and vice versa with greater convenience, which facilitated the adoption of usage of BTC by the community. Costa Rica. Costa Rica is home to Central America's third circular Bitcoin economy, Bitcoin Jungle. The community is spreading lightning adoption across ferias or farmers markets, and merchants, Begin told Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin Jungle leverages Galoi infrastructure for its needs, but local developers added their own twist to the core banking stack so it would better fit the needs of the community. Sorry, I got distracted again. Quote, a team of developers in Costa Rica launched the Bitcoin Jungle app on top of Galoi's uh, open source core banking platform, bringing a locally branded and managed wallet to their community project, he explained. Galois brings a custodial banking solution to communities which, while reducing friction, creates additional trust and security assumptions. However, the stack aims to prevent local centralization by leveraging a multi-signature setup. Quote, communities using wallets built on Galois get the reliability and ease of use of a custodial wallet with the security of having funds in a multi-signature cold storage setup managed by the local community. It is worth mentioning that while custodial solutions can often improve usability and be a helpful tool for onboarding new users into Lightning, they are arguably better used that way as an initial setup along the way to eventual self-custody setups. Let's go to Peru. Down South, a nonprofit organization has been making huge strides in leveraging Bitcoin to to bring financial inclusion to underserved communities. Also inspired by Bitcoin Beach, Rich Swisher, co founder and president of nonprofit global empowerment group Motive, saw the many opportunities that a sovereign and decentralized monetary network had to empower those who have been left out of the traditional banking system. Now, through a series of programs ranging from medical care to entrepreneurship classes, Motive is leveraging Bitcoin to bring inclusion and hope to disadvantaged communities through many hubs in Peru. Quote, there's an outstanding alignment between Bitcoin and humanitarianism, Swisher told Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, being able to have unobstructed access to a financial system that is not sizable and not able to be shut off by changing governments is key for people to build hope, end quote. Swisher explained that in the villages and municipalities that Motive works in, The issue is systemic as the lower classes are kept at the bottom and don't believe that there is any way to overcome that a lack of hope for the future is entrenched in these communities which are left behind by a financial system that does not cater to them or to their needs motives hubs facilitate the birth of micro businesses in these communities as people begin to see their neighbors bypass that initial mental blockade and achieve some financial freedom by enrolling in a class and later independently selling a product for Bitcoin. The program has grown to encompass more and more communities in Peru through different initiatives. In early August, the nonprofit announced that it helped establish a total of 16 circular Bitcoin economies in the country. A week later, Motive shared news that it had released a series of programs to further financial inclusion in these communities and encourage the formation of new ones. Now to Brazil. The first Brazilian circular economy or Bitcoin economy was spun up last year in the paradisiac beach of Jericococora, Sarah. Yeah, I jacked that up. Sorry, guys. A state in the northeastern region of the South American country. Jerry, as it's nicknamed, thank God, is a beach known for its beautiful sights and year-round sunshine. Fernando Motulise, who is leading the setup of Praia Bitcoin, a literal translation of Bitcoin Beach to Portuguese, told Bitcoin Magazine his endeavor has been hard but very rewarding. Quote, the experience has been enriching despite the challenges involved in doing something like we're doing here. According to Motelis, attracting funding has been the biggest challenge. Brazilians, for the most part, aren't culturally wired into helping social projects, he argued. To date, Paria Bitcoin has raised 0.66 BTC through its donations page. That's not bad, y'all. Despite the hardships, the project was able to onboard over 20 businesses onto Bitcoin and Lightning last year. But that number has decreased since the start of the market downturn. Quote, now there are only 10 businesses holding on in addition to the many hawkers, Motelis said. Nonetheless, Priya Bitcoin has kept progressing on a front Motelis deems crucial education quote disinformation about bitcoin may be the main barrier for adoption but once people start transacting in bitcoin they kickstart a journey of many stages he said recently pariah bitcoin built paper wallets to gift btc to local children who lack access to a smartphone now Motilis is working on a new solution to further the adoption of bitcoin and lightning in the region quote with the help of new tools and a donation from a, the youtube channel Palavara de Satoshi, we're producing 20, or no, 2,000 NFC cards out of which 408 will be distributed to students and teachers of a local public school at the Children's Day party on October the 11th, 2022, he said. The development of the card, a more robust server infrastructure, and the one year anniversary of the start of the project makes Mozilla's confident that Praia Bitcoin will be able to better serve the community and facilitate the onboarding of even more businesses. Now to Argentina. While there still doesn't seem to be a circular Bitcoin economy in Brazil's neighborhood neighboring country, Argentina, the nation is broadly famous for its Bitcoin adoption levels, which is believed to be due to harsh monetary reality experienced by Argentinians, Argentina's inflation is among the highest in the world. For the 12 months ending in July 2022, the country's inflation rate was reported to be a whopping 71%. This is one of the reasons the country was the second outside of the United States in which lightning payments app strike launched. Quote, Today we launch a superior financial experience to a country that faces hyperinflation Predatory payment networks and unusable cross-border transfers, Strike founder Jack Mallers tweeted on the day of the announcement, quote, Today, we use the world's open monetary network, Bitcoin, to give hope to the people of Argentina, end quote. In the midst of soaring inflation that has lasted, you know, for decades, Argentina sits among the top 10 countries in cryptocurrency adoption in the world, according to a research report by analysis. Naturally, local developments have spurred to meet such high demand. In July, local exchange Lemon Cash integrated Lightning into its platform through a partnership with payments processor OpenNode, enabling one million Argentines to take advantage of Bitcoin's scaling network. Quote, thousands of Lemon Cash customers have transacted on Lightning and we expect this to exponentially increase over the coming months. Head of strategy at OpenNode, Josh Held, told Bitcoin Magazine. Lemon Cash's lightning integration came on the heels of the country's largest private bank move to offer Bitcoin trading to its customers. In May, Banco Galicia announced that it would enable Bitcoin buying, selling, and trading on its mobile app through a partnership with cryptocurrency infrastructure company Lyrium. Later that month, however, the Argentine Central Bank ruled that financial service providers would be prohibited from offering cryptocurrency-related products to its customers. While such a crackdown can slow the pace of Bitcoin adoption in the country, Bitcoin's P2P nature ensures that it will, won't be able to stop it. Let's go across the Atlantic to South Africa. On the other side of the Atlantic, Bitcoiners have started Bitcoin Akise, a circular local Bitcoin economy in the city of Mosul Bay, South Africa. Quote, Bitcoin is a Akasi. Is- I don't know. I can't pronounce this shit. Bitcoin Akasi is using lightning to fuel commerce and fuel education programs. Be- Begin told Bitcoin magazine, adding that the community leverages a slew of different wallets and applications. Akasi is a colloquial term for township and is associated with the growth of slums outside South African cities where black people were forced to live during apartheid. Quote, unemployment, crime, and poverty remain rife there, Bitcoin Akasi said in a tweet. We believe Bitcoin can help uplift those who need it most, End quote. This is one of the many areas Bitcoin can be of use, and at the moment, it is arguably the most important one. By providing an alternative financial system that doesn't deny service based on nationality, race, status, or beliefs, Bitcoin can help secure the financial freedom of billions of people worldwide who have been, sorry, reprehended or left behind. And the more small, circular Bitcoin economies that pop up around the world and the more countries that start making Bitcoin legal tender the greater the fuel going into the spark that is igniting this fire of freedom. Oh, man, that was a long one. Okay, and I cut out quite a bit of that one. Again, this is by Nomsios. And if you want to read the whole thing, including the primer on Bitcoin, which is high quality, as I always expect from Nomsios, you need to go to Bitcoin Magazine and read the article entitled... The State of Lightning, one year after El Salvador's Bitcoin adoption. Nomsios writing that one for Bitcoin Magazine. Let's run the numbers. CNBC, Futures and Commodities. Oh boy, Energy Futures taking a dump a big dump sort of a well it's a big dump and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me and you'll see why after we finish this part west texas intermediate is down over 5% to $82.45 brent north sea is down 4.6% to $88 and or $88.50 natural gas is down just under 3% to uh, $7.90 per thousand cubic feet, gasoline down 4.16% to $2.31 a gallon. Now, before we talk about shiny metal rocks, let's talk about why this is kind of confusing. Here's a tweet from Christopher Barad that says, EU energy margin calls seen totaling at least $1.5 trillion. European energy trading risks grinding to a halt unless governments extend liquidity to cover margin calls of at least $1.5 trillion, that's trillion with a T, dollars, according to Norwegian energy company Equinor ASA. What's going on? Well, the trading desks, the energy trading desks in the European Union countries don't have money to cover $1.5 trillion of margin calls of their futures, trading, and other derivatives products. So the markets are grinding to a halt. If you want to know way more about this stuff, you need to go over and read Marty Bent's last bent, okay? Just you can Google Marty's, Marty's bent like M-A-R-T-Y apostrophe S-B-E-N-T, you'll find it. Read the one from last night because he goes into a lot of detail about what this means. For right now, for our purposes here, what this means is that they don't have the money to cover the calls. And as we go into winter, of which is projected to be quite harsh around the globe, much less, you know, Europe, it's going to get worse. So that's why I'm surprised that I did not see all green candles for energy today. But that may have something to do with the fact that if the European Union starts printing $1.5 trillion just to get the market's liquidity for today and the next couple of days, because they're at margin call, this this shit, at one point or another, they're going to have to pony up the bread or the market's going to completely break over there, right? So if European Union countries start printing money, the European Central Bank starts printing money, the dollar compared to all other currencies around the world is going to skyrocket in value, which may be the reason we're seeing depressed energy prices over here. But they, we can't have that. Why? Because we won't be able to sell shit. Nobody is going to buy, we can't, I was telling my sister last night, we won't be able to sell sell a bale of hay to somebody outside the borders of the United States because the amount of money they're going to have to pony up in their currency to buy it reflective of the dollar's value on the world market is going to be prohibitive, which means only one thing. Jerome Powell is going to have to turn on the United States money printers and print a shit ton of dollars to depress the amount of value that the dollar has across the world and bring it in line with all the other assholes that are printing money. And we started it. Okay. We started this shit. It it was like, you know, this is like, we're, we're not, not to blame. We're definitely one of the people to blame. All the central banks are at fault here, but the reality on the ground right now is that If they print that money to get their shit straight and it will only last for a few days, right? Because this is like liquidity that's just going to cover margin calls. It's not like it's buying electricity. It's, It's just the traders don't have money to cover the fact that they made some bad trades. In either event, if they print money to this kind of number, the dollar soars in value across the globe. And nobody's going to buy our exports because they can't afford it. And the only way out is for Jerome Powell to turn the money printers back on. Now, let me read this one more thing. Disclose.tv or at Disclose.tv made this tweet that says, now the European Union will propose a mandatory target for reducing electricity use at peak hours in order to get this flatten the curve. No shit, dude. No shit. They actually said it flat. She's, she's on the screen right now saying it flatten the curve just two weeks to flatten the curve. And it's all going to be fine. No, it's not going to be fine. It's going to have the exact same pattern that the COVID-19 pandemic had because we all exist in nature and nature right now is showing you that you, I, and everybody else is nature's little bitch. Keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to be the one of the... You thought COVID-19 was weird? You have no idea, neither do I, of what it has precipitated. It has birthed a monster that we have not yet seen. And what we've already have seen is terrible. But... At least gold's up. Shiny metal rocks, and most of them are actually up today, 0.82% to the upside for gold, 2.36% to the upside for silver. Platinum is up two and a quarter. Copper's the only one that's down, 0.85% to the downside. Palladium is up 2.73%. Agricultural futures are mostly down. Uh, The big winner today, though, however, is wheat, 3.46% to the upside. The biggest loser is going to be coffee, 3% to the downside. Now apparently, the indices love this shit. Dow up 1.24 percent. S and P up 1.5. Nasdaq up 1.73. S and P mini up 1.79. Now the Nasdaq and the S and P might be up because Apple has announced their iPhone 14, yet another bling that you can, you know waste your money on or you can wait like I do until iPhone 15 comes out and by then my iPhone 11 will be well and truly dead and then I can get a new one but at least I use it for four or five years before I actually trade the sucker in now let's move on to real money trading at just over 19,000 by two dollars and 19 cents Uh, Bitcoin has had 267,000 transactions performed on it in the last 24 hours. That's 11,134 transactions every hour on the hour with 5.28 million Bitcoin trading hands in that 24 hour period. Holy shit. That's 220,000 BTC changing hands every hour on the hour. But Bitcoin has no utility. Shut up, bitch. Average transaction value, 19.76%, uh, B- 19.76 BTC. The median transaction value is 0.026 BTC or 485 bucks block times low at nine minutes 40 seconds. We have a 0.1 BTC taken in a, on a per block basis in fees and 15 and a half BTC taken in fees uh, overall in the last 24 hours with a 3.13% drop in hash rate. We're still at 224.9x per second. Your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin has also taken it on the chin, but has recovered just a little bit to 0.061 United States dollars. That's just over six pennies that you can rub together and you still won't be able to make fire from it. 7,764 transactions awaiting five blocks to clear. We have now a $363.5 billion market cap, which is 3.21% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may spend your one Bitcoin uh, on 11,000, no, 11.1 ounces of shiny metal rocks. And there are 19,143,942.17 Bitcoin in circulation and 4,709 of those are locked up in the Lightning Network valued at $89.4 million being run over 17,240 nodes sporting 85,417 payment channels and 71.0% of all of that is being run over TOR. And that's going to do it for Vitals. Now, the first half of the show was more about Bitcoin's and Lightning's successes in the world. Welcome to part two of the News You Can Use, where we examine the shit coinery that is getting its ass handed to it. Let's start this one. Cointelegraph, Zijuan's son, number of unique Bored Ape Yacht Club buyers has plunged in August to the second lowest on record. Yes, because nobody, everybody's figuring it out. They're worthless. According to data from CryptoSlam.io, the number of unique buyers for the non-fungible token collection Board Ape Yacht Club has fallen to 600, no, 263 for the month of August with 438 total transactions. These metrics were the second lowest on record since the collection's launch back in April of 2021. Since crypto winter began earlier this year, the average transaction value of BAYC NFTs has fallen to $106,400 compared to a peak price of $312,000 per APE collection in April 2022. In May of 2021, the collection saw the peak number of buyers and transactions at $3,550 or 50 people and $9,255 respectively. An estimated $55 million worth of Board 8 Yacht Club and CryptoPunk NFTs are at risk of liquidation due to users, you guessed it, pledging them as collateral. They took loans out against shit that ain't worth nothing, and people made that trade. People gave them real money to hold their bullshit ape and now these guys are going to get liquidated out of their ape collection and it ain't going to do nothing for the people that gave them real money because they took the stupid stuff as collateral. This is what we're dealing with. I'm sorry, but it's just bad. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just having a moment of trying to wrap my head around the level of stupidity that this represents. All these BAYC and CryptoPunk NFTs are now at risk of liquidation due to users pledging them as collateral to take out loans denominated in Ethereum, the price of which has fallen drastically in value in recent months. Yuga Labs, the owner of both collections, are also facing a class action lawsuit alleging that the firm inappropriately induced the community to buy BAYC NFTs at an inflated price. In the first half of the year, the board ate Ape Yacht Club Community Discord was breached three times as hackers deployed sophisticated phishing techniques in attempts to access the lucrative NFTs. To date, the sale of BAYC NFTs has surpassed 850,597 Ethereum or $2.4 billion at today's prices. Actually, I should say Ether. Um, Cointelegraph previously reported that asset trading platform OpenSea saw NFT transaction volumes plunge from its peak and it gets better. Remember what I was saying yesterday about the fork because Ethereum is about to go to proof of stake and that's if they can actually successfully transition. Yeah, well, I was talking about Ethereum Classic and lo and behold, Andrew Asmakov has this one from Decrypt.co. ETC group to launch new ETP for imminent Ethereum Hard fork. ETC Group has joined the ranks of entities that have announced intentions to support a potential proof-of-work version of the Ethereum network. The new chain, should it eventually appear following the network's transition to a proof-of-stake system, is tentatively called ETHPOW. Yep, ETHPOW, but does not yet exist. Nevertheless, the London-based crypto firm ETC Group plans to list a new exchange-traded product based on the native asset of the ETHPOW chain issuing holders of its existing Ethereum ETP, also known as ZETH units, of the new security at no cost on a one-to-one unit basis, the firm said in a press release shared with Decrypt. This new physically-backed ETP will be called ETC, Group Physical Ethereum P- Proof of Work, or P-O-W, or eth and will be listed on Deutsche Borsche's ex- uh, Extra, under ticker Z-E-T-W, based on the imminent hard fork of Ethereum. The official listing is expected to occur on September the 16th, the firm said, shortly after the merge event. An ETP is a type of security that can be traded on a stock exchange with its value tracking and underlying security. An Ethereum ETP, for example, tracks the price of Ethereum, allowing investors to gain exposure to the cryptocurrency asset without the need to physically hold the app's asset. When we launched ETC Group, we committed to holders of our digital asset-backed securities that they would benefit from hard forks to the underlying digital assets and cryptocurrencies. Bradley Duke, founder and co-CEO of ETC Group, said in a statement, "We believe that it is the only the only right that investors in our product should receive the pre- uh, proceeds of this fork. Sorry, that sounds like a maybe a bad translate translation." Uh, so there's a little bit more to this, but we're running low on time. I just do want to say that this was going to happen. You know, I've been talking about this shit for at least a year. If Ethereum goes to proof of stake, they're going to leave an entire set of infrastructure holding or hold on an entire set of holders of infrastructure. And they're just going to be left holding their infrastructure back. Those are the GPUs that are used to mine Ethereum as it is right now. They are not going to just sell their GPUs. They're going to try to figure out something else to do with it. Ethereum Classic may be one of the ways to do it. But these guys that I just read you about, I don't think that they have that much to do with Ethereum Classic. We'll have to see how it shakes out because it sounds to me like they want a brand new fork. Well, Ethereum Classic has been around since 2016. Do the math. They have, net, they have like a history. They have a network effect. To start a new chain is probably not going to be... I, I, I don't see this going anywhere is what I'm saying. I don't see an ETP based on a new fork that they want to call ETC as going to go anywhere. I think what's going to happen is that they're going to say, you know what, we just need to do this on actual Ethereum Classic token and do an ETP on that. Still, stay as far away from it as you possibly can. I, that's my that's the only advice I can give you. Over to K, uh, stablecoin and the debacle there's a seem to be a debacle here. Binance is pulling support of USDC and converting several different stable coins to BUSD. Jason Nelson, Decrypt.co, Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange by volume, announced today that it would begin auto-converting existing and new deposits of USDC, USDP, and TUSD stablecoins into its native BUSD, effectively delisting three rival stablecoins. The company said the move will enhance liquidity and capital efficiency for users, that's all you need to know about that one. So now we're seeing consolidation in the stablecoin part of this entire, uh God, I hate to say it, but the crypto industry expect it to continue. Expect it to get worse. It's just going to happen. This is to me, this is one of the signals that we're getting close to a bottom. We're not there yet. I'm projecting that we see some Bitcoin at around a price of 17,000 between, I'm sorry, between 17 and 18,000. I think we're going to go below 18,000 at least once and we'll be into 17,000 territory. And not because the number signals the the bottom of the bear. It's just that this kind of news, I got nobody buying board Ape Yacht Club. Nobody gives a shit about Axie Infinity anymore. Even Binance is saying fuck it to three rival stablecoins and is not even going to allow somebody to get their shit off. They're just going to just auto-convert it to their own stablecoin. The amount of lawsuits that you're going to see in the next two years is going to blow your mind. And here's one of them. Celsius co-founder declares that his equity is worthless in court. Stephen Cottey, or possibly Kate, not sure, K-A-T-T-E, from Cointelegraph tells us more. A Celsius Network co-founder has moved in court to declare the entirety of his equity stake in the embattled crypto company as worthless. In a Monday document to the United States bankruptcy court law firm Kirkland and Ellis LLP filed a declaration on behalf of Celsius co-founder Daniel Leon confirming his status as a substantial shareholder and declaring that his 32,600 common shares are now considered worthless. (laughs) David Adler at David at David J. Adler 1991 has this tweet. He says Celsius Network, Celsius Bankruptcy, hashtags. Here's a new one. A declaration of worthlessness was just filed by Daniel Leon, one of the co-founders. Lord have mercy. A declaration that a particular stock or common share is worthless generally occurs when shareholders in the company think they will not receive any further distribution for their holdings. According to the IRS, a stock is worthless when a taxpayer can show the security had value at the end of the year Preceding the deduction year, and that an identifiable event caused a loss in the deduction year. The embattled crypto lender filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in July, a month after halting withdrawals due to extreme market conditions. Bank to the Future CEO Simon Dixon suggested in a Monday Twitter post that the declaration means the Celsius Network private equity shares are now officially worthless and that the co founder wants to use them as a tax write off. Celsius raised two rounds of private equity funds from smaller investors via Bank to the Future. Meanwhile, Celsius Network's cash runway appears to have stretched. While a filing last month forecasted the company to be out of money in October, a new forecast appears to show the company has managed to get more breathing room. The latest forecast, dated August 31st and filed to the United States Bankruptcy Court on Tuesday, has the firm sitting on just over $111 million in cash currently, forecasting 42 million cash left by the end of November. So the shitcoin fest that has been this giant dumpster fire of a circus has had even more fuel thrown on it and it's flaming as high as it possibly can. And in the midst of it all, Ethereum wants to move to proof of stake. Expect a delay, expect a delay, expect a delay. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. My God Almighty, after that, how can we not have a joke? I taught my pet wolf how to meditate. Now he's in a werewolf. Yes, siree. If you want to support the show, you can do it through Podcasting 2.0. My favorite app to use for this is the Fountain app. No, they're not a sponsor, but the damn well should be. In either event, I use Fountain app because it's, it's getting smooth as silk now. And I used to use Overcast, which is one of the better podcasting apps, but now I'm pretty much just using fountain app for everything that I can get my hands on and you can use it too. And you can stream me Satoshis from your onboard fountain app wallet directly to my lightning nodes while I stream you these dulcet tones and the Bitcoin news, good or bad. Um, you can also do boostagram So if you want to send me a message that you want read over the air, or if you want to ask me a question about, I don't know, backyard chickens, this is a great way to, to just ask me questions. I, I love it. Cause I just pick up my phone and at the beginning of the show, I can read my boostergrams and answer any questions that you might have any statements you might want to make. And I get the sats again, just like streaming directly to my lightning node, which is sitting four foot, four feet away from me and has been online for at this point years. Except when I have to upgrade, I mean, it's like, hasn't been online continuously. There's like, a, if I have to upgrade the software to like the new MyNode 0.3.0, which I'm not going to do just yet. I'm going to wait a little bit. Um, you know, it's been online can almost continuously for well over two years. Um, and I enjoy watching the sats come streaming through. And let uh, see, is there anything else I need to say? I think that that's about it. It is 64 minutes into the show, so we might as well go ahead and end it here, and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.